And now I speak on something I've never heard a message about and I've never preached on ever. It's a good time to be a neighborhood church. I'm going to talk about this spirit thing called tongues. And we're going to spend this week and next week talking about this. Some of you, your blood pressure just spiked. You're just like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. Nope, we're going to make it a little less scary. And you know what? The Bible talks about this. Therefore, we need to talk about it. We are not going to protect you from your Bible. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Yeah, that's right. So as we move forward, Neighborhood Church, as I have, you know, hit a new place in my leadership, I want to talk about some stuff that no one wants to talk about because I want to talk about this. And if God says this is something that we should know about and even maybe go after and desire, we need to know more about it. And it's probably one of the most mysterious things in all of Christianity. But newsflash, if you're new to Christianity, it's all about the supernatural, all of it. It's always been about what is supernatural and the unseen realm. And for us to understand that as much as we can and partner with it, this is the life to the fullest that Jesus came to give us. And so that's why we're going to talk about this this morning. Pressure's off. No one's going to make you do anything you don't want to do. This is not about being more or less spiritual. So excited. Are you ready? Okay. So as we have been going through different things, talking about hearing the voice of God and other things, we kept running into verses about tongues. And I kept saying, I'm going to talk about this soon. I'm going to talk about this soon. I'm going to talk about this soon. And uh, as I was praying about what to do this fall, the Lord said, when soon? Because you keep telling your, your church that, it, that you're going to talk about this soon. I th- soon is now. I will make it happen. So I changed the schedule to do this for two weeks. And it's going to be fun. So tongues, it's how this, one of the spirit, spirit things that happens, how he works through us. It's theologically a little bit complex, and at the same time, it's incredibly simple. It's culturally bizarre. And it's emotionally loaded for some people, because maybe you've had a really bad experience. Maybe someone told you, that you had to speak in tongues. They stood around you and lay hands on you or they pushed you over and told you you needed to do this if you're gonna be spiritual, if you're gonna be saved, if you're gonna be filled with the Spirit. But we're gonna help you understand that there have been abuses, but it doesn't mean we throw this out. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So I just recognize this is a tender spot for some of you. And at the end, I'll make sure that we pray specific healing over you because I really wanna see this gift used the way that Paul talks about it, the way that we see it in the Bible. Now, this is all about prayer. It's all about getting closer and intimacy with God. It's not about showing off. It's not about having something that someone else does or have or have have nots. Um, And so let's take a look at a couple passages real quick. And I've got a couple friends that are going to share with us this morning. Uh, and then next week, we'll go through 1 Corinthians 14. So if you're a Sunday school graduate and you're like, well, why aren't you talking about 1 Corinthians 14? Next week, don't worry, we'll get there. Acts 2, what's going on? Well, the context is that Jesus died and rose from the dead, and he's walking around for at least 40 days. And he sees even up to 500 people see him in the body after he's risen from the dead. 
And so there's a great deal of interest. And then yet Jesus then meets with his disciples and he ascends into heaven. And one of the last things he says is, wait here in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to give you. And so they wait about 10 days. And on the Feast of Pentecost, what we see is this. When, this is Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They're hanging out. They're eating food, praying. I don't know what they're doing. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So there is a supernatural moment where wind that's not like the wind that came up late last night that blew everything around in our backyard, but, but wind inside the house and this sound, and they saw, so there's now, so, so they're experiencing some kind of movement of, of air, and they're hearing a sound, but they're also seeing something. They're seeing what seemed to be tongues of fire, um, you know, something that maybe has the shape of a tongue of fire, that separated and came to rest on each of them. You can use your imagination what that looks like. I'm not sure, but it was God saying, hey, I am showing up and I'm going to show you that I'm present in this way. Verse 4, all of them. How many? All. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, let's stop here. So before this, we have the Holy Spirit given to kings, prophets, artists who were building things for the tabernacle, different moments where the Holy Spirit was given to you and empowered you to do certain things that maybe you couldn't do before. Um, but it was, a, it was temporary. It wasn't the Holy Spirit living inside you. It was the Spirit kind of resting on you and allowing you to do things. This is why David in Psalm 51 says, as after he sinned with Bathsheba, he, he says, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. So David knows, like, I watched Saul and your Holy Spirit was on him and he was doing all kinds of crazy things. He was prophesying and doing all these things. And then all of a sudden now your spirit has left him. So David knows this is possible. But now in this moment, the Holy Spirit is given to all people. And Peter later in the passage explains, and he quotes from the Old Testament in Joel 2, that the Spirit will be poured out on men and women, old and young. And so this is a moment in church history that's so powerful and so poignant and so important that there's a whole part of the Christian church called Pentecostal churches that take this name from Pentecost because they focus and much of their focus is on the gifts and speaking in tongues and things like that. So all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, not like, well, the, just the really spiritual ones or just the 12 or just men or just women or just the short people or the, just the tall people. All of them are filled with the Holy Spirit and then began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so here they are, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, presumably for the first time. And what comes out of them then are these other languages. Now we'll talk more about this next week, but suffice it to say, the word for tongues is simply languages. So when you see that, if you want to substitute languages, 
you're, you're actually probably more correct. When asked, Gordon Fee, which, who was one of the NIV translators, was asked by a young pastor, why didn't you just say that when you, can, when you translated the New International Version? To which Gordon said, well, because the King James did it and because of church history, we just decided to keep it the same. Gordon, you're killing me. Because the term alone can cause confusion, right? So they're speaking in other languages. What kind of languages? Glad you asked. Verse 5. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation. They had come to the feast under heaven. When they had heard this sound, verse 6, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are these not all men who are speaking Galileans? Translation, these are the hicks from Northern California. <laughs> and they have an accent. And we know exactly who they are because they are from the They are not hip like us. What is going on? They're speaking our language. How is it that each of us hears them in his own na native language? And it goes through the list. North, south, east, west. It's like, it's complete. God is seeding his message into all these other nations in one day. And it's brilliant. And it's a brilliant supernatural ability to speak another language. Which then results in thousands deciding to surrender to Jesus as king. Now this is the first of three times we see in Acts where when people come to Christ, they have an encounter Tongues are a result. Acts 2, Acts 10 with Cornelius, and that's the first time we see the Gentiles receiving the gospel and receiving salvation. It's a very important moment. And Acts 19, where Paul runs across this group of people that said, well, we, we, we were baptized, but, but we don't have the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, wait a second, I'm going to lay my hands on you because you've only got John's baptism for repentance. This is about Jesus and the Holy Spirit giving given by Jesus, and all of a sudden, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they speak in tongues. That's three times in 22 occurrences in Acts where that happens. So we'll talk about it more next week, but anyone who says this has to accompany, accompany salvation wouldn't be in alignment with the book of Acts. So it has happened here three times in the book of Acts, but I wondered, I did a little study this week, what about the Old Testament? Because we think about the Holy Spirit given, therefore that's empowering these people to speak in other languages. And so what we see is, well, what I found, oh, I did it wrong. Isaiah 28 says this, very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to his, this people to whom he said, this is the resting place, let the weary rest, and this is the place of repose, but they would not listen. So, not exactly like this, but here's God sending others from other nations to actually speak the truth to Israel, and yet they're not even going to understand because it's not in their language. They kind of like tongues, a little bit different. There's another, another way that I see this a little bit in Daniel 5. Daniel 5, we've got Belshazzar, you know, one of your favorite people in the Bible, I'm sure. He's Nebuchadnezzar's son. What does that mean? Well, he's a dude who's like a king. 
And he's having this banquet, and he has all this stolen uh, goblets and things like that from Jerusalem, and he's mocking God, and they're, go- they're going on and on. And as they drank their wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. And suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared. Think Adam's family. <laughs> Okay, I'm the only one who sees that, but like, I think it's hilarious. Just a hand, it's nothing else. Appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale. So would mine. And he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. And he called his enchanters and his wise men. Verse 8, they, all the king's wise men came in. They could not tell, they could not read the writing or tell what, what the king meant. And then the queen, remembering, oh, there's, there's this guy. And so they bring Daniel before the king. And he's, he says, hey, you're not going to like this. You're not going to like this message. And so he takes these four words, long story short, and he translates them. Why? Because they're in Aramaic. It's a known language to Daniel, but not to the people reading it. It's a known language that had a message but it required them getting interpretation from someone else so that it actually could bear fruit. And it came to pass, and it was a very bad outcome for that king. Well, so that's a little background. Um, personally, I grew up at Neighborhood Church. Some of you don't know that. I'm a kid of this place. Never heard anybody speak in tongues growing up. Just, it, just if it was a thing, I didn't know about it. And went off to seminary and learned from some incredibly godly people. And one of the men that I learned from said, we need to be open to the gifts because theologically it doesn't make any sense that they've ceased. But let's be cautious. Well, all right, I can do open but cautious. Thanks, Dr. Sosi. So I come back to Chico after seminary. And I am having lunch with a youth pastor from a Pentecostal church and his wife. And as we're praying over lunch, all of a sudden, she begins to pray. And I can't understand her. But she's praying quietly and beautifully. And I'm like, what is this? What is going on? It was the first time that I opened myself up to that. Maybe this is something that I would want. Maybe it's not all yelling and screaming and carrying on and haughty and look at me and I've got this gift and you don't and I'm more spiritual and all that. All of a sudden it was this beautiful thing that I thought, huh, my heart was just opening up to the idea that maybe, maybe this isn't crazy. Maybe this is God. My assumption was that God took over your mouth and you just like... And then, like, somehow, I, there is no sense of, like, it's going to happen, like, in the middle of a movie or something like that. I'm going to be watching Top Gun and, like, you know, and, some, and then I'm going to be really embarrassed. And that's not how God works. And we'll talk more about that. But just with some of you, some of you I know you need to be put at ease this morning. So humor is absolutely my favorite way to do that. Because God's really funny. If you know my God, he's hilarious. He's the best joke teller ever. And he will, he will if you're listening for his voice, he will give you puns. He will say all sorts of things that will make you laugh. So uh, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. 
Paul says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Let's stop right there. I don't know about you. I'm somebody who reads the Bible. And when I see something in the Bible, I have to wrestle with it. Like, well, am I going to just throw this verse out? Like, or... Or am I going to explain away, oh no, those ceased with the closing of the, of the canon. This is the period of the open canon. And well, you know, these people, they, they just needed this because they didn't have the Bible. But now we have the Bible. And so, no. So what do I do with this? What do you do with this? Poll question, if you haven't... Um, connected before. This is a great day. I'm going to ask you three questions this morning. No one will know who said it. No one will judge you. No one's looking over your shoulder. There's a little QR code right there. Or if you're just an old-fashioned texter, you can text the number 37607 and then send my little code, Andrew Birchie 959 to that, to that, text it, and then it'll, it'll open it up, the polling for you, and you can just text in your answer uh, because it's A or B. Have you experienced this before, yes or no? And I don't have the ability to put up the numbers live, but I've got them right here. Let me activate it right now. Sorry, guys, I'm multitasking. I know, I just, I'm a little slow. I didn't want to do it too early. So, all right, great. Um, so we'll let, that, we'll let that happen as you're, as you're kind of getting this, this down. I'm going to have my friends Mort and Mary Fox come up. And uh, come on up to the stage. What we're going to do, I'm going to do this morning is I have three, three of my friends share a little bit this morning. Uh, I will share my personal experiences with tongues next week. So something to look forward to. Come back to church. If you want to take those stairs, you can. It's up to you. Um, so I think sometimes the most helpful thing to do is to hear stories that illustrate what this is really like in a real life. Um, not some pastor guy telling you, um, but, but actually other humans. So come on out here. We're going to stand right in front of this table because the table's not that really good looking anyway. So, um, and I have some notes here. So Mary, we'll start with you. So I met with Mort and Mary and had a great time in my office. And if you don't know them, they are phenomenal saints. And uh, they would love to pray for you. If you have a prayer need, you can always grab them. They usually sit right there in the middle. Why do you all sit in the same seats, by the way? I don't understand this. They usually sit in the middle aisle here. Mary, you first experienced tongues in a very unique place. You weren't in church. You had been reading a bunch of books. But you were actually at the laundromat. Tell us about that. First, I have to just say, hold that really almost, close. Andrew, almost everything Andrew shared so far, we shared with him the other day. And it's easier to share in his office than up here. <laughs> okay. Oh, they're not so bad. Okay. okay. Uh, little background: We were uh, saved in the early '70s. We were kind of late Jesus Revolution. Got it. People. Yep. It, it moved up the coast. Got it. Yep. Uh, hold, that, and, hold that close. There uh, you go. Just like you're eating ice cream cone. There you go. Good job. Sorry. Okay. Otherwise, uh, the people uh, online can't Okay, hear but you. the difference is we weren't blonde. We weren't young. You weren't blonde we, or young? No. Okay, fair. And we'd been into like occult stuff for about 10 years. Fair. So a lot of people started getting saved on the coast, yeah. and there were a lot of books floating around. But I had not. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't talk. Yeah, well, okay. you can have I, him I'll hold it, it for you then. 
You hold it for him, okay. her, and she'll talk with her hands. So, okay. There were a lot of books floating around and a lot of people uh, handing out tracts and things. And someone put in my hand, They Speak with Other Tongues. Okay, book, Which yeah. was a book, I think, written in the early 70s okay. by the guidepost. Okay. Yeah. Someone who's old enough who they are. Yes, so you're reading this yeah. book. So I was looking at this book. I thought, this is really cool. This sounds supernatural. So, yes, I'm at the laundromat. We lived on... Uh, Highway 1, south of Elk, right. and I took a little chair out to the, it always seems that ocean's a spiritual place, yep. so I took a chair out um, on the cliff there, and I thought, I'm going to do this, right? Okay. didn't really know Jesus, I was interested, but I hadn't sorted it out. I'm going <laughs> to do this, so I opened the book, and I'm sitting there trying to make these sounds, right? Just okay. trying, but I was hungry for God. Yeah. And so the only thing that happened was, Abba, Abba, Abba. I'm thinking, this is really stupid. This is baby talk. Close the book, that's it, right? So about a week or two later, um, I went into a lady's house. She was going to take me up to this Christian fellowship. And she had a Bible open, which I had not yet read. I think it was in the book of Romans, which I didn't even know that was New Testament. Mm -hmm. And right there, in the passage, she's busy fixing her hair and stuff, is Abba, Father, and it's in Aramaic. Oh, it's and an I, Aramaic word for Father, yeah. Yeah, I think it was in italics or something. Right, sure. And I thought, oh my goodness, what I did was real. And yeah. yes, I do want to know Father. So that was That's that. That's pretty fun. And it's, it's not like a whole bunch of sentences came out. It was just one word. Right, because I baby talk. I thought, this is baby talk. This is how you learn how to talk, right? So don't, don't miss that, right? Like when I have learned a few different languages or parts of different languages, and you don't bust out full sentences at first, right? right? So you just go with what you have. Okay, well, that's interesting. So you have this experience, and you go, wow, the Lord's doing something here. And then fast forwarding just, just a little bit longer, uh, later than that, mm-hmm. you're driving down Highway 128. Mm-hmm. You see this car careen off the cliff. Right. What happens? Um, I just sort of panicked. So there was one car in front of me, and I I don't know, my heart was just beating. I, I'm not going to stop. There's some men here. What would I do? But just immediately throw me a language and an intercessory prayer mm. began to flow. And I probably prayed most of the way. If you know 128, it's Boonville, et cetera. Yep. Prayed all the way to the coast. And it was just, just bubbling up out of your, out of your stomach, out, out, out if you will. Out of my pain and out of my fear. So this has kind of persisted for you. When you see something traumatic, this is what happens for you, right? This is kind of your response? Yeah, the main way that I use my spiritual language is in intercessory prayer, particularly in a situation if I've seen an accident or someone suddenly died, or Mm. we'll hear it, yeah. And you don't know how to pray, and it's just something so deep. And so... Bubbles out of you. Yeah, sometimes it's out loud if I'm alone. But a lot of times it's just... To yourself. Here and here, yeah. One more question for you, and then we'll let more share. Um, This has also been a way for you both to get direction from the Lord, which which might sound weird to you because you're like, well, you don't really know what you're saying exactly. How can you get direction? I know you got a couple words. Share about that. Well, you know, we've just had a series about hearing from God. And probably 
the main way I hear from God when I know that I know that it's his voice is if we're facing something, which has been more than once. <laughs> but for example, uh, last December, when he was first diagnosed with a tumor, and there were a lot of, a lot of heavy things happening. Mm -hmm. So I was walking in the park. And a lot of times you don't know how to pray. Yeah. And so I often will uh, pray in a tongue when I'm walking in the park. And so I was just walking along, and uh, I heard, it was in here. I don't think anyone else would have heard it. God said, go for it. And I just knew that I knew that I knew it was his voice. I didn't need all the answers. He had heard my cry because even when it's not the one thing you didn't say, I don't think that most of the time I'm praying in a language that's known to people, although one time we prayed in Hebrew. Um, but this unknown language is a language that God knows because it's angelic. He does know it for sure. All right, so Mort, you, you, you gave your lives to Jesus. You're living at Antioch Ranch, right. and tell us how you first experienced tongues. Well, the group we were with were very much into believing that it was important to have this language. And so there was a big uh, service in Sacramento, and we were invited to go. So we went to that service, and some pretty known people started praying for us. And I, it's like I wanted it. And they were praying, and some people were falling over. And, but nothing was really happening with me. And so I, I went home, and shortly after that, it, it was a time in my life before God healed me that I had severe asthma. And it was at night I was having this attack, and as I had this attack, I found I started to pray in a tongue. And that was how I started had made a big difference in my life. Now for you, what does speaking in tongues do? Because we talk a lot about the presence of God. Yeah. Uh, for me, speaking in tongues allows me to get right into the presence of God. When I, when I speak in a language, something happens. I know immediately I'm present with God. And as we share with Andrew, there are many times in my life that I've had to use this at very difficult times, and we got answers. Yeah. Um, one more thing. The Lord has also given you words of warning, and oftentimes you don't know how to pray. You're like, Lord, what do I do? Your mom gets sick. You got to go to New York. You're thinking about it. You're driving up to Reading before the trip, and the Lord, as you're praying in tongues, the Lord speaks to you. As I was in the car... And I, as I was praying, I felt God wanted to say something to me. So I pulled off the freeway and thinking I'm going to write down. But the main word I got was, I will look around the corner for you. And then when I went to New York, because we had uh, a nephew that was dishonest, almost a criminal, was doing terrible things, writing checks while my mother was dead. And God was showing me everything that was happening in advance. I knew exactly what was happening, and God did exactly that. He looked around the corner for me, where I couldn't see. So cool. Thank you guys for sharing. That was excellent. Thank you. So, these are treacherous stairs. I almost fell down the other day when I was preaching because I was not paying attention. So, um, 
Interesting poll results, by the way, on have you experienced tongues? 53% said no, 47% said yes. This is about exactly what I thought we were going to get. And now this is just who responded, right? Not all of you responded. Not all of you have all the techie things and all that stuff. And, um, but I think that's very interesting because you can see in our church, this is just something that we're all in a different place in our journey, and it's okay. All right. By the way, second poll question. I'm gonna, just going to go ahead and um, put it up here now. That should be right there, and I'll put it on the screen for you. Okay, what would best describe your experience with tongues? I don't believe that they're real or they're from God. That's choice A. Choice B, I don't have a clue. Choice C, they're probably real, but I had a bad experience. D, I've heard about this. I'm interested in learning more. Or E, I have spoken in tongues. So you can choose the one that seems to be the best response for you, and that will be helpful for me. Great, 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 great. While that's going on, I'll multitask here. Um, Heather Rogers, come on up. I'm going to have Heather share real briefly. Um, all sorts of ways this looks like, and we'll stand out here out front because it's easier and better. Um, so Heather, tell us about how has this gift worked for you? What does this look like? I know driving is sometimes when this is something that you, you utilize, and tell us about that. Mm, there you go. Okay. Uh, one thing I love about it, and my story is very similar to Morton Mary's, is um, I'll just be driving around Chico, and that's a great time to use this when no one's in the car. You can be quiet or loud, and and I'll just be driving through orchards or businesses, and I'll just be prompted to pray in the Spirit. And and for me, often it is an intercession. It's a crying out for things that I normally would not think to be praying for. And as I am, the Lord will often then give me thoughts specifically. You know, this, this land here needs this, or this crop, you know, needs this, or this business needs this. And so um, it's important to know that it's not like Andrew said, where your mind just disengages and you're just kind of aloof for five minutes. But it, for me, at least, it's an active involvement of using the gift and then sometimes praying in my English and then a back and forth. Um, for me, I wanted to share, especially for any young people in here, I actually got it when I was about 14 at a, um, a high school missions trip going to Mexico, and I share that because I know some of our youth have done that, and, um, and I had other kids come up and pray over me that I would um, receive this. And for me, it wasn't really active in that younger season of my life, but what really was a big catalyst was about five years ago, actually, I'll back up, um, there was a time when I was teaching here at the school, and I was just down at the light, again, alone in the car, coming into the parking lot. And I started to pray, and it actually sounded like Arabic to me. And this had never been my language before. And so just that 20, 30 seconds of coming in, it's just rolling out. And, and I got in the parking lot, and I said, Lord, what was that? Like, I've never heard that before. That was very unusual. And what I really felt so strongly in my spirit is he said, I needed to hear this language praising me because I hear it all the time praying to false gods. Ooh. And it just struck my spirit, and I just began to weep because, you know, the Muslims, they pray 
all the time, on the clock, on their knees, but it was like God was weeping that they're not praying to the one true God. Mm. And so just that he would use me for that to intercede, and I really did feel like that was going to be something later on. Our church would be you know, walking in, and it's been neat to see the, the couple that's been here. And, um, and then just lastly, more recently, about five years ago, uh, I was um, at a conference in Thailand and just had time alone. I was on a rooftop and was just, just had a lot of time alone to pray. And I felt this language come on me that was kind of an Asian dialect. And I thought, oh, this is, this is different. This is kind of fun. And as I was praying, I felt like the Lord said he was giving me that, that particular dialect so that I would pray for Asia until the next time I returned. And so I thought, oh, this is great. I don't know when I'm returning, but I'll have. Uh, and I think because it flowed more, like you said, it wasn't just a couple words. It kind of made me excited to pray more and intercede more. And then when I returned to Asia a year later, I thought probably it would change, and it didn't. It's it stayed. Hmm. Um, and so, again, as I've just been sensed to pray and intercede a lot more for um, Asia, some of you know I was there last month. I'll be going again in a couple weeks. Um, and so I intercede a lot, and it's, um, it's just fun. It's amazing how the Lord works in it, um, and it is an amazing gift. Great. Thanks so much, Heather. Um, if you, if you want to grab Heather or the foxes, I just encourage you just to, to follow up after the service. Uh, we're going to transition here in a minute. I'm almost done. But uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15 says this. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? Well, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Meaning, Paul, what Paul's saying is, is that there's great value in praying things that you understand in your heart language, whatever that happens to be. Most of us, that's English, but not all of us. At the same time, there is also this fruitfulness to experiencing this tongues, not only praying, but also singing in it, which is a whole other thing. I watched this video this week of this pastor from recent, just recently in New York, and he said, it was interesting, I was getting ready to do my message, and I came up, and I was ready to make the transition, and the worship team was still going, and Chris, our, our worship leader, on the end, he just began singing in what I thought was Spanish or something, and so I just said, go on, Chris, go for it, and so he's singing in this other language, and at the, at the end of the service, this worship leader comes up to the pastor and says, hey, uh, I never... I never sang worship in tongues before. He says, wait, what a second. I thought you were, you were speaking Spanish. He says, no, I wasn't speaking Spanish. I don't know what I was saying. This guy, Chris's family, was watching on the live stream. And they called him later in the day and said, hey, when did you learn Portuguese? He says, I don't know Portuguese. He says, well, you were singing in perfect Portuguese. He said, well, what was I saying? I will give all my devotion to you. You just kept singing that over and over in Portuguese. I will give all my devotion to you. Wow. Wow. I just want you, for some of you, this is such a stretch, so thank you for going on the journey with me. Um, but story after story after story of how God wants to use this. But the pressure's off, guys. The pressure's off. Okay. All right, you science people, this is for you, and then we'll, I'll close up, all right? So I started doing some study on, well, scientifically, there's got to be some studies. Somebody must have gotten interested at some point. Well, you're right. 2006, 
New York Times article was talking about the researchers at University of Pennsylvania. They took brain images of five women who spoke in tongues and then also prayed just in their regular English language. And what they found in the brain scans and the imaging was that the frontal lobe, their thinking willful part of their brain, through which people control what they do, were relatively quiet as language centers. The regions involving maintaining self-consciousness were active. In other words, these people weren't in a trance. They didn't put their brain in park, like um, Heather just said. And he said, the amazing thing was how the images supported people's interpretation of what was happening. So this is Dr. Andrew B. Newberg. Um, And um, the co-author of the study, Ms. Morgan, uh, is a born-again Christian who says she considers the ability to speak in tongues a gift. She said, you're aware of your surroundings, you're not really out of control, but you really don't control what's happening. You're just flowing, and it's in a realm of peace and comfort and a fantastic feeling. That's so different than how you would, some of you would imagine might, this might be, that this would be scary or you'd be out of control and something would happen without you, your consent, but it, the Lord is a, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's so kind. Second study, 2011, Dr. Carl Peterson. He did some work in the same way on uh, singing in tongues and speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. So he did brain scans and different things. And what he found was that there's a major stimulation in the hypothalamus. Now, for those of you who aren't science folks, that has direct regulation over four major body systems, the pituitary gland and all uh, endocrine, endocrine endocrine glands, the total immune system, you all know what that is, the entire autonomic system, so nerves, and the product of brain hormones called endorphins and encephalons, my shot at reading it, um, which are the chemicals that the body produces and that are 100 to 200 times more powerful than morphine. So, summary. A significant percentage of the central nervous system is directly and indirectly activated in the process of these verbal and musical kind of tongues expressions. The results are a significant release of brain hormones, which in turn increases the body's general immunity. I did not think I was going to learn that this week. So God, who designed our bodies, understands what we need. He's giving us these gifts to benefit us. Poll results, uh, 0% said, I don't believe these are real or from God. I'm shocked that that's the case. I think in this room, there are some that might believe that. Uh, 6% said, I don't have a clue. That's fair. Uh, 6% said, they're probably real, but I had a bad experience. I want to pray for you here in a minute. Um, 42% said, I've heard about this. I'm interested in learning more. And then 47%, as we know from before, said, I've spoken in tongues. I will put up one more poll question, which is an open-ended question for you, which is what question do you have about tongues that will help me um, as I prepare for next week and knowing what to make sure that I can cover. Um, There are four ways that, I'm just going to leave you with this, four ways that I believe tongues work. Uh, And we'll talk more about 
all of it last, next week. Um, and I think I've got a slide there, Jared, if you can help me get to it. Um, I, think, I think I got in there. If not, number one is uh, it's an actual known language. And we've talked about that a little bit. We see that, see that in Acts 2. Um, and we'll, you'll hear hopefully some more stories about that next week as far as known languages and how God wants to use that. Two, it's a prayer language. You maybe have heard this term before. That, this term, by the way, is not in the New Testament, but it's how we see the individual side of tongues and that um, I believe that your car is actually the very best place to exercise this uh, experience with God, but it can be anywhere at any time. Um, and that's just between you and God. Three, it's a form of praise. This is the idea of singing in the Spirit. Um, and lastly, tongues with interpretation. This is someone stands up in a public gathering and says something in tongues, and then a pastor like me says, okay, well, that was different. Does someone have an interpretation? By the way, this is getting into what is our protocol, which you will find on our website. It's like a whole bunch of pages to give you all of the important theological stuff on what we believe and how we think it should run. In a public setting, if somebody, you know, if you stood up and you just began speaking in tongues, I would stop the meeting and I'd say, okay, who's got an interpretation? This will be interesting, right? And you never know what the Lord wants to do. This has not happened to me in 30 years of ministry. Doesn't mean it won't. But um, if no one has an interpretation and it's crickets, then I invite you to sit down and say, sorry, you're out of order. Have a seat. And we probably have a conversation afterwards. Because the Spirit of God is subject to the Spirit of the person speaking. And so um, all things are done in order. We'll look at that in 1 Corinthians 14. But um, I want to pray. Then we're going to transition and uh, we'll talk, well, I'll tell you about what we're going to transition to in a minute. If you have found yourself, if you're maybe that 6% or more that say, man, I've been, I've been really hurt by this. This has been something that people have used to say, I've got something you don't. It's an arrogance thing. It's a pride thing. There was pressure put on you. You had a really bad experience. I just want to pray for you specifically right now. You don't have to identify yourself, but just know that I'm praying for you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you do all things well. And thank you that you are mysterious and powerful and supernatural. I don't want to put you in a box. I want to learn more and more about who you are. And so for those who have been hurt by this, I pray that you would heal them. I pray that you would allow them to be able to look at this for what it is and really be in a new place of wholeness, healing, grace. Thank you, Lord, that... Um, you don't keep everything in the box, but you continue to challenge us to believe you uh, and walk with you by faith and not by sight. So bless my friends, and as we're on this journey, God, just give us grace to understand exactly what you mean in your word and how this could look for each of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.